of God. That's uh, page 11 in your purple hymn books. Let's stand. Good idea. Come, let us go to a place that is pure to learn about love and wipe away tears to melt swords of steel and hearts made of stone set prisoners free and give strangers a home so come, come as you are Welcome to each of you who has joined us this morning here at Grace. As we enter into a time of singing, praying, listening, and wondering, we trust that you will feel the strong and loving presence of God uniting us all in worship. May we feel reconciled and renewed in this place, which we acknowledge to be Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, the Oji Cree, Dene, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe. As we look at the upcoming week here at Grace, our bulletin is full of important information that you'll want to refer to. Please note that there is adult uh, formation right after the service today. We are beginning a series on climate action. Session one is today with Sandy Plett, who is here from Mennonite Church Manitoba Climate Action Group, 
as the presenter. And a kind reminder again for those of us that enjoy coffee after that um, we would like to be mindful to keep our noise level down, so just make sure that we're contained to the side room by the coffee counter. Thank you. And next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, believe it or not. And uh, so there are details in your bulletin regarding an Advent giving project. We're invited to bring specific grocery items for the Soups on Lunch program starting next Sunday, and the children will be collecting those as they come forward for the children's feature during the Advent services. And just to note that Little Bits of Grace is having a pizza lunch next Sunday. Uh, there are details, so you're invited if you're a caregiver of young children, and um, yeah, come for lunch. As we begin our time of worship, let's bow together in a centering prayer, a prayer inviting God to speak, to heal, and to draw us into God's presence. Let's bow. Oh God, we adore you at the center of our being. Draw us inward by the greatness of your love so that we may taste that peace that passes all understanding, and that little by little we may understand what it means to be lived in by God. Heal the wounds of a lifetime, body, soul, and spirit, as we lovingly wait upon your presence and action within us. In Christ's name, amen. Just a thought with this song, down by the riverside, and, and the burdens we often associate with whose land we're on, maybe the next time we are at the Red River or the Assiniboine River or the Seine River, we'll think of laying down our burdens at this riverside and watching that river carry them away. That sounds good. Rivers represent healing. We're going to sing down by the riverside. Gary's going to introduce the words as we go along. It's a very simple song, so the words won't be up on the screen. Yeah, so come on and stand up if you can and join us. So we're going to lay down our burdens down lay by down the riverside. I'm going to lay down my burdens down by, down by the riverside. Down by, down by the riverside. Down by, down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down. I'm gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. Come on, you old folks gotta teach us how it's done. We gotta lay down our sword and shield down by the river, don't we? Yeah. We do. That's right. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by, down 
by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside. Gonna study. I mean, the song is called Step by Step, so if you'd like to stand, uh, people's choice. The words, 
The words are not up here again. I will teach it to you. O God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning and learn to walk in your ways. Step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Those are the words. If you know it, sing it. This morning we'll be praying through Psalm 5, verses 1 to 7, using Lexio Divina, which is Latin for divine or holy reading. The idea is that we let God speak to us through scripture. I will read through the passage three times, leaving silence at the end of each reading. And as I read, pay attention to any word or phrase that sticks out or shimmers inside of you. Trust that there's a reason why that word or phrase resonated with you. Ponder it. Ask yourself, why do I think it's stuck out? Or where is it leading me? Mull it over and offer your response to God. And when you're done, offer words of gratitude to God and then simply rest in God's presence. Our prayer time will end when I say amen. Please join me in prayer. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Listen to the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you and be on the watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do injustice. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord loathes the person of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant graciousness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. 
Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Listen to the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you and be on the watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do injustice. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord loathes the person of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant graciousness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. Give ear to my words, <clears throat> O Lord. Consider my meditation. Listen to the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you and be on the watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do injustice. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord loathes the person of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant graciousness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. Amen. My King 
shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning shall I direct my prayer unto thee and will look I would like to invite the kids forward for a puppet show. I'm going to ruin that space a little bit that we just made, <laughs> but that is okay. Yeah, you can sit over here. kids, how are you all doing today? Let's call Finn out and, I, and see what he's up to. Ready? One, two, three. Finn the Dragon! Oh, hi Mel. Hi kids. Hey, Brayden, is that you? Do you by chance have a hammer I can borrow right now? No? Hmm, okay. Finn, what do you need a hammer for? Just wait, Mel. I'll tell you in a bit. But right now I have a list of tools I need, and I'm just trying to nail it down. Oh, Finn. Hey, Mael. Do you by chance have a cordless drill I can borrow? No? Uh, okay. Finn, what do you need a drill for? I'll tell you in a drill bit, Mel. Oh, Finn. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, Frank. Frank, do you by chance have a chainsaw I can borrow? No? No chainsaw this morning? Uh, okay. Finn, what do you need a chainsaw for? I'll tell you later, but till then, I guess I'm just going to have to steal an orange one. Okay, Finn. Uh, that's enough. What is going on? Well, I have a list of tools I need for my building project. What are you building? A rocket launcher. Hey, that reminds me about a story from the Bible. A rocket launcher reminds you about a story from the Bible? Yep. 3,000 years ago, there was a guy named Isaiah, and he had a construction project for God's people, too. Isaiah had a construction project, too? What was the project? God's people were supposed to take their weapons and turn them into farming tools. <gasps> like turn a tank into a tractor? Yup. Like turn a gun into a shovel? Yup. Like turn a fighter jet into a very fast crop duster? Yup. Like turn a flamethrower into a barbecue? Yup. Whoa, that's quite the vision. Did Isaiah come up with that idea all by himself? Nope, that was God's idea. Oh, of course. Hey, but if it came from God, then the people must have done it, right? Well, um, it's a work in progress. Huh. You mean that we've had this vision for 3,000 years and we're still working on it? 
Did Isaiah give the project to a church committee or something? Well, kind of. Isaiah came, gave the project to us. <gasps> you mean it's up to us to take our weapons and turn them into tools that grow food? Yep. Huh. Well, I guess that means my building project will have to change. Mel, I am no longer building a rocket launcher. Instead, I'm going to build the world's best worm composter so I can grow food for my friends. That sounds great, Finn. That's probably what God is hoping for. Exactly. And hopefully it won't take me 3,000 years. Now, let's see what else is on my list. Hey, Philip, Philip, Phil, 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 Philip, uh, do you by chance have a screwdriver? Finn, there's nobody here named Philip. Huh. That's strange. On my list here, it says Philip's screwdriver. Oh, Finn. <laughs> okay, kids, that's all I got. No more puns for you. Thank you for coming out. You can go back to your parents now. Bye. Bye. Could uh, have the vantage point of being up here and looking at the puppet show from from the front here. Thank you. It's time for the congregational prayer, so let's bow together. <clears throat> here we are, Lord, and here you are. Here we are together. We acknowledge that your presence surrounds us even at times when we are unaware of you. Thank you. We lift our eyes upwards and simply express that we love you. You are faithful. Your loving kindness endures forever. Thank you for your creative energy in the world around us. We see the changes of the seasons and are reminded that you hold the universe in your hands. Thank you for life and breath, for health, to enjoy the blessings of family, of friends and community. Thank you for energy to work and to play. If we stopped being grateful, we would stop seeing your handiwork and your presence all around us. We give you thanks. We confess that our living often involves times when we make choices that lead us into regret for our actions, thoughts, and words. We are sorry, Lord. We do feel sad, overwhelmed, and remorseful. Forgive us. Have mercy on us, gracious God, so that we are renewed and strengthened to follow Jesus' example of living and loving more faithfully. You invite us to bring our petitions and requests to you. Today, in the quietness, we name our anxious thoughts, the little things and the big things that concern us. Help us, Lord. To face these challenges, we turn to you for wisdom as we learn to depend on you. You invite us to intercede for people, places, and situations that we know are hurting, filled with struggles, pain, and conflict. We name someone or a place or a situation that we carry a burden for. Please supply what is needed, Lord. 
We join you in your great compassion so that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. One of our values here at Grace is that we foster a spirit of generosity in the lives of, of those who attend. We have often done that by collecting an offering with the recognition that giving options have changed and that generosity is far more than just the money we give when we, we want to be intentional and devote part of our worship to fostering generosity. To get us into the habit, we will be praying a responsive prayer followed by some music. During the music, enjoy the gift of the arts while reflecting on your gifts and how you can be generous with them. And if you want to give financially to the church, you can leave a gift in one of the boxes at the back or stop by the office or e-transfer or auto-withdrawal through the office. So let's pray together. Lord, you abundantly lavish your love upon us. We are thankful. We want to respond to you from what we have been given. Our money, materials, time, and abilities. Accept our offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are singing hymn number 98. Immortal, invisible, God only wise. Angels adore thee all. 
Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of, the, of Jacob, the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. When we read these ancient texts by prophets in the Old Testament, often the world around them kind of stunk. And in today's text from Isaiah, it really stunk. The Assyrians were invading, and they had a reputation for being terrible, like worse than Russia is currently doing in Ukraine, terrible. I was talking to another parent this week about our life and our children, and they were commenting on how their kids were sick, like everyone else's kids this week, apparently, and they were watching their children's medicine bottle go down, 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 and they were down to a quarter bottle. And then I joined in with the comment about how the produce chuck didn't show up on Monday morning at Sobeys when I go grocery shopping, and so our fridge this week did not have carrots, cucumbers, or bananas. And we both agreed that in spite of these hardships, our lives were pretty much okay, pretty privileged. We have a hard time remembering how other parts of the world have lived, don't we? Or how they currently live. And we would all create these realities for our children, but it is hard to remember. And so in our text this morning, the prophet Isaiah enters the picture and says, yes, this stinks, but I want you to dream a different reality, a reality where nations don't fight anymore, and instead of building weapons, they grow food. A pie-in-the-sky pipe dream? Perhaps. But that didn't stop Isaiah from using his imagination. Do not let God's dream die. It's called prophetic imagination. It's everywhere in our Old Testament prophets that this is our reality and it might not be ideal or it might stink, but God, God has something else in store for us, something better. This is naming God in the future. This is Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, I have a dream. This is us singing down by the riverside (laughs) that here is God's future for us a future for us not to perish but to prosper, plans to give you a hope and a future. God in the past, we can look back and we're often filled with gratitude, say things like, thank you God for being there. Some of us keep gratitude journals. We can be thankful for the small things like a cup of coffee on a cold day, a good tickling match with our grandchildren, or the Blue Bombers winning the Great Cup for the third year in a row. 
we can look back and remember that the really big, sometimes really hard things, at the time, that was all we could see. That was our reality. And years later, those things are still with us, but they're not quite as big. And we've learned and grown and matured along the way. And we're probably, hopefully, better humans. And so while we don't want those hard things, as we experience them and as we reflect on them, I think there are ways for us to still be thankful. So if we spend the time, we can probably see God's fingerprint in our past. God in the future, we can get behind that. God in the past, we can get behind that which leaves us God in the present, God in the here, and God in the now. This one we're a little bit more cautious about, aren't we? We have a really hard time naming God in the present tense, don't we? I get why we don't. God is God, omniscient, omnipresent, all those big words. God's kind of hard to nail down. And we don't really want to be like those other people who do things in God's name that some of us wouldn't do. God's name is often used and abused, so we're cautious about naming God in the present tense. Plus, we know that after the Great Cup today, one, team's gonna, one person's going to say, thank you, God, for the victory, and the other team's not going to necessarily say, thank you, God, for the loss, although that would be profound, actually. But I'm grateful for some discernment here amongst us. But I think the challenge for us then is, can we ever name God in the present? Can God still act, speak, invite, provoke, comfort, lead? I think for many of us, and myself included, it becomes harder and harder to name. We in the West here live in a secular world. It's a culture, our culture is steeped in something that can be called the imminent frame. It's a worldview dominated by what we can see, what we can touch, what we can observe, what we can create, and what we can explain. And it is a world closed off from transcendence, that nothing is beyond our current reality. We can even put the idea of God inside the imminent frame and explain the Bible and ancient languages and theology and church history and organizational health and psychology and neurological change, how prayer changes our brain. We can explain all of those things, and they do kind of fit nicely in the imminent frame, as long as they're off in the corner over there behaving how we want them to behave. But can we believe that God acts and speaks outside of that? Is there still transcendence? It's a pretty big ask, isn't it? And I think every day it becomes a bigger and bigger ask. Dr. Ellen O'Donnell um, quoted her last week. <laughs> she works as a child psychologist in a hospital in the USA. And so she works with parents who are talking about really hard things. She sits with families from around the world who are facing devastating diagnoses, cancer, burns, diabetes for their young children. And yet rarely, she says, do parents volunteer information about their spiritual or religious beliefs and practices. She says this appears to be particularly true for Christian families in the USA, where Christianity seems to have become all too synonymous with conservatism and closed-mindedness and anti-intellectualism. 
And she offered this direct quote, it's two slides. In my hospital work, only the families from across the world are quick to share how their faith sustains them through the often terrifying task of being responsible for a little person's life. Notice the tense, present tense. Her next paragraph is this. Parents from the USA are far more likely to talk about personal religion in the past tense. They tell of a tradition they grew up in and how they left it. <laughs> they explain the bits and pieces they've chosen to continue and how they are a spiritual but not religious family. And when I read this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. This is me. This is my peers. This is some of my church. This is us. We can name God in the future, use a prophetic imagination, sing about not planning for war anymore. We can name God in the past, filled with gratitude, thank you. But naming God in the present? Hmm. Related, I am kind of curious as to what happens if we can't name God in the present. Yes, I get why we wouldn't, but I am fascinated by the stories we tell each other, the stories we live by, the stories our lives tell, the unwritten and often unsaid principles and guidelines and expectations that we live by, the here's what's important stories. And if we ditch the God story, what story replaces it? And what stories do we tell our children and grandchildren? Here's a fun line. If the church isn't catechizing us anymore, we are being catechized by something else or someone. Catechism is a word that some of you older folk would know. You were taught a bunch of, I think, if I get this correct, Peter, help me out here if I'm wrong. Peter Dick, yes, you. You were given a book when you were younger about questions and answers of the faith, and that was catechism class, right? So when somebody asks you a question to explain faith, boom, you had an answer. We would now call that a little bit of Christian apologetics. We've moved the phrase to faith exploration, but catechism is a word that nobody under 25 knows. It just means religious instruction. So what stories, and if we are being catechized by something else or someone else, what stories do we explicitly tell? And what stories do our lives implicitly tell? And are they the same stories as the advertisers and algorithms tell us? Are they Freedom 55 commercials? And if they're different, can our own stories withstand the onslaught of advertisers and algorithms in the imminent frame? Maybe I'm a cynic or a skeptic, probably both, but I think that sometimes the stories of the imminent frame where transcendence and God is not possible, I think they clash with the stories of the kingdom of God that Jesus talks about freedom for the oppressed. The last is first. You will never hear a financial advisor tell you the last is first. Welcome the least, food for the hungry, woe to you who are rich. Beat your swords into plowshares, learn, teach, and practice forgiveness, peace, compassion, justice, justice and love, maybe even love for our enemies. And what does that look like with Russia? What I'm interested in is what story drives us. What story do we wake up to and what story do we go to bed to? And what story do we teach our children? Here is how I, I'll, I'll give you some handles here. Here is how I am learning to name God as the story that drives me and drives us. 
to name God in the present tense, actively speaking and inviting us to live into that story. Jesus was a strange dude (laughs) and invited his followers to seek the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of this world. It is a blessed are the poor, swords into plowshares, forgive someone 77 times, love your enemies, let your giving be done in secret, I was hungry and you fed me, your sins are forgiven, those who want to save their life will lose it, death leads to life kind of movements. Sometimes it's even been called the upside-down kingdom of God. It's quite countercultural. It is a different story than the one we are, in, we are immersed in all around us every day. And so whenever I see or hear or encounter a story that is a little more kingdom of God-ish, a little more Jesus-ish, I am learning to say, maybe that is God. When Jesus turns us on our heads, something changes. We can point to what is different, not due to our impact, but to God's. It's these stories I'm interested in. The stories where, when they happen around me, I am learning to name God as showing up, name God as present, name God as speaking, acting, inviting, provoking, comforting, and naming God as the story that drives us. And here's an example from our church. I came back from sabbatical a couple of weeks ago. It's all a little bit blurry right now. And given the previously made youth schedule, almost immediately I was off to a retreat to Campus Cinnaboya with 10 high school kids. Here we are having breakfast in the morning. Well, it's probably closer to noon, actually. I saw teenagers that weekend book off of work to come, which in a culture driven by money, is that God? I saw teenagers skip their sports events on the weekend to come to the retreat. And I heard stories of teammates and coaches and other players raising an eyebrow, wondering, what are you doing? Is that God? I saw a church, you, us, we, make sure that these retreats are pay what you can so that they can be inclusive to as many people as possible. Is that God? giving money to strangers. I saw grade 12s welcome the new grade 9s with open arms and treat them as equals. That these teenagers, who are really only friends because they come to church together, they are all from diverse backgrounds and families and have different interests. That they value each other and treat each other as if they all bear the divine image of God and the only requirement to join this group is to show up. Is that God? They were having so much fun together one night that I went to bed at 1 a.m. And then at 3.30 a.m., I woke up to hearing a bunch of teenagers laughing their heads off, and I could not go to bed, back to bed. And as much as I almost got up, an old man yelled at them to go to bed because I needed to drive the next day. And when I got home at 1, I had three kids that needed my attention, not just to, like, go back to bed. But I didn't, because they were a beloved community, and I didn't want to get in the way of that. Is that God? Maybe every time we don't yell at anybody, that's God. (laughs) And since I was gone on sabbatical for my birthday, it was in September, they even brought me a birthday cake to celebrate. 
And I've been known to make one or two year old jokes. I work with Kathy and Mel. And so I thought it was quite fitting that they made sure that my cake had a 53 candle on it. I am not 53. Teenagers caring about the older adults in their life and remembering their birthdays. Is that God? And if you are here or watching online, Rebecca, Linda, Karina, Azure, and Will, and you don't like that picture of how you're smiling that I just showed the church and everyone on the internet, that's too bad. You should not have put a 53 candle on my cake. (laughs) And here we are eating the cake on the floor. Cakes are probably proof of God's present love for us too. In the mornings before breakfast, on these retreats, every time we gather in a circle and do centering prayer, we start with the peace prayer of St. Francis, Lord, help make me an instrument of your peace. And then we sit in silence for five minutes, giving consent to God to show up in our lives. Teenagers spending five minutes in silent prayer in the mornings, when at home my first rituals are to check Twitter and play Wordle. Is this God? And then, oh, let me tell you about my favorite part. At these retreats, we always spend Saturday night having a communion and healing service. And that evening, we eat the bread and drink the juice, remembering the story of Jesus, who lived his life poured out for others. And then as the kids chew and swallow, they are invited to to assume a posture of vulnerability. I ask them to sit down on the floor, cross-legged, and let others come and put a hand on their shoulders and pray for them. And they do. All of them. As the adult leader, I'm always wondering, okay, which kid doesn't have as many friends here? Am I going to have to, like, swoop in and make sure that somebody feels the love? And this year, I did not have to get up once because they did it themselves. They pray for and bless the bejeebies out of each other. Is this... God? A bunch of teenagers come together for the weekend, eat together, laugh together, work together, and pray together, and did maybe God show up? Hmm. That's kind of a wild story, isn't it? But it's a story worth holding close to our hearts, isn't it? That maybe God is present with us. That maybe God is present with us right now. God's work does not start with us. God's work starts with God. The impact is what God does to us by binding us to the upside-down life of Jesus, which forever alters our view of reality. Which leads me to wonder, how else does God show up in the present? Can we name it? Can we be brave enough to name it? I'm going to give you a few moments of silence now to think about God being here with us now in the present and what that could mean for us. Use your imagination. Go ahead, dream a little bit of what God wants and then assume that God is here. And after the silence, I will say amen. We will sing for the beauty of the earth. And if you're praying in silence right now, and if you get distracted by a kid making noise, either your own kid or some other kid in the front here, maybe, just maybe, that kid is the answer to your prayer. Please join with me in prayer.
Amen. Thank you, Kyle, for your words and insights. Let us stand and sing hymn number 120 for the beauty of the earth. us enjoyed Steve Bell and his songs, he reminded us that it is God's withness that we celebrate as Jesus followers, God's withness, God's presence showing up in our everyday lives. 
So let's go into our week with ears keen to hear the sound of God's voice calling our name. Go into our week with eyes wide open to see the face of Jesus in unexpected places. Let's go into our week with our souls yearning to receive the Spirit of God, the Spirit of peace. Amen.